Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Today on Not Sam Wrestling, is Jade Cargill really WWE bound? The return of this week in CM Punk, oh yeah, and John Cena, The Rock, Pat McAfee, all on SmackDown this week. What gives? This is Not Sam Wrestling. This is Not Sam Wrestling. Introducing your host, from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Oh, baby. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Not Sam Wrestling 465. I mean, <laughs> the week, every week, it's the week of all weeks. We could just repeat the intro over and over again. You already know what it is. You already know the era that we're living in. You already know how big this is. Huge. Oh, sorry for that abrupt uh, 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 pot down of the intro. Huge is the answer. Welcome to Not Sam Wrestling. So much to get into today. As a matter of fact, uh, I barely know where to begin. I will tell you, uh, we've only got a week left on the Not Sam Wrestling merch. The, the autumn line, which a lot of you have already taken advantage of the sale that we're having. I truly, truly appreciate that. I'm humbled by it always. Uh, you know my philosophy. If you're going to slap my logo on your body, I'm going to put it on the best possible garment I can come up with, which means quality is high and margins are razor thin. But only for another week, you can get T-shirts, long sleeves, hoodies, crew necks, and sweatpants at NotSamShirts.com. The new Not Sam Wrestling autumn logo is on them. NotSamShirts.com. One week only, then that's it. The store goes down. You won't be able to get the stuff anymore. So if you're even thinking about it, get it now. Uh, I do, before we get into the topics of the day, or of the week as it were, I do uh, want to say that there were a lot of extremely talented, extremely dedicated people who lost their jobs this week as part of the merger between the WWE and UFC, creating TKO Holdings, the new company. Um, layoffs happened, I believe, on Friday, as is the case with just about every corporate merger. And it led to a lot of people behind the scenes in the WWE who don't really get celebrated, don't get written up in dirt sheets, don't get mentioned on television, names that you would never heard of, but names that have impacted 
the product that we all love in ways that we can't even imagine. The WWE is an incredible machine, but the reason that as a machine it works as well as it does is because of the people who operate that machine. Um, it's a difficult thing. WWE, it's it, they've said it, right? But it's 100% true. I'm, I'm sure you've heard it from people that have worked there from superstars, but I can tell you firsthand that the way WWE operates is it is a family. It feels like you're part of a family. You're in or you're out, but when you're in WWE, that's why when when superstars leave, they come back, welcome home. Cody's talked about it. Welcome home, Cody. It's always your home. This is your family. And that's not just for the people that are on television. That's for everybody that works there. And so it becomes even more difficult, I can only imagine, to lose a gig like that that you've considered an extended part of your family. Um, we'll talk about all of that. I mean, uh, a lot of stuff happened in the wrestling world that spoiled my podcast plans. I have a lot to talk about, both from a present and a historical perspective um, when it comes to the merger between WWE and UFC under Endeavor. So later this week, I'm gonna put out uh, a separate podcast, an entirely different podcast, either on Tuesday or Wednesday. You'll get 465B, which will be all about breaking down this merger, uh, why it's so historic, and, and just looking at it from all aspects. So we'll do that later this week. So make sure you're subscribed on any audio platform that you're listening on or to our YouTube channel, Not Sam Wrestling, where you'll get these uh, full podcasts. But in the meantime, heart goes out to anybody that lost the gig. And, you know, if there's anything we could do with the Not Sam Wrestling organization, put up the Not Sam signal. I'm only a phone call away. Uh, but I'll tell you who apparently was only a phone call away. That was... That was Dwayne The Rock Johnson. It went down this week. Friday became a mega day when it comes to wrestling news. And I think that the merger is, there are no coincidences, first of all, especially when it comes to The Rock and WWE. There are no happy accidents. There are no coincidences. And there are no spur of the moment decisions. There are intentional events and everything that we saw on Friday was a series of intentional events. It starts Friday afternoon. Pat McAfee has signed just this incredible deal which should inspire anybody that works in any form of independent media with ESPN where the same show that he started in a basement, the same show that 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 he had was left to his own devices to figure out himself after he decided to leave Barstool. That same show is now broadcast every single day on the Worldwide Leader in Sports, ESPN. So, uh, and it's only been two weeks, but part of Pat's ESPN deal is he also hosts College Game Day. So that became a, a huge undertaking when he was doing SmackDown. Every week, College Game Day is the huge show Saturday mornings on ESPN, but it takes place from one of the campuses of of where one of the big games is taking place that Saturday in college football. Uh, so when he was doing SmackDown, he would have to rent a jet and fly private, do his show in Indianapolis, go to SmackDown, and then immediately after SmackDown, have to fly to wherever College Game Day was happening. 
well, now that he's not full-time uh, and college game with WWE and college game day is on ESPN, as is his show, he's been hosting the Pat McAfee show from wherever college game day takes place uh, the past couple of Fridays, as was the case on Friday when it was announced earlier in the week, I want to say Wednesday or Thursday, that not only would Pat be hosting the show from Colorado, the where game day would be, but the Dwayne The Rock Johnson would be joining the show. And Dwayne The Rock Johnson did indeed join the show. I believe they were in Boulder, Colorado. And on Friday afternoon, DJ went on there. We did a little video about it here on the channel. Uh, Dwayne Johnson went on there uh, and he talked to the boys about uh, Terramana. He talked to the boys about football. He talked to the boys about his accomplishments as well as the accomplishments of the entire Pat McAfee team. But he also talked about the thing that we're here to talk about, and that's professional wrestling, the king of sport. Uh, great stories about uh, his return to WWE, his match with John Cena. One of the guys asked him about his favorite WrestleMania match. He brought up the first WrestleMania headline at WrestleMania 15, which is no shock. I mean, you look at The Rock's career and his first WrestleMania, right? He doesn't start WWE until after WrestleMania 12. Survivor Series 1996, he makes his WWE debut. March, April, whenever it was, say early April, 1997. So you're talking five, six months after his debut, probably five months after his debut. It's his first WrestleMania, WrestleMania 13. Early in the card, maybe even the opening match against the Sultan with the Iron Sheik and then Rocky Johnson making the run in. That was WrestleMania 13. Two years later, at WrestleMania 15, he is main eventing against the top person in the entire industry, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Rocky Maivia at WrestleMania 13. The Rock versus Stone Cold, WrestleMania 15. I mean, you talk about a guy that went from nothing to the top, tippity-tippity-top, and then goes on to have the series with Austin, right? Not only does he main event WrestleMania 15, he then goes and main events WrestleMania 16 with a McMahon in every corner. He main events WrestleMania 17 with Austin. He doesn't close WrestleMania 18, but let's be honest. It was the main event with Hogan. And then he main events WrestleMania 19. Again, didn't close. Angle and Brock Lesnar closed. But WrestleMania 19's main event was also Rock Austin. So you're talking about from, from 13 to 15, just two years of growing, and then 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, one of the best five-year runs in WrestleMania history. So it was a great question that they brought up. But then, of course, he brought up his return to the WWE and his return to WrestleManias. And he did say that his last match was against John Cena at WrestleMania 29. So we aren't in the Rock record book According to The Rock on Pat McAfee, we are not counting the WrestleMania 32 match with Eric Rowan on The Rock's cage match. I don't know if it's there or not. I don't know. I don't count it I really, spiritually, right? If The Rock retired today, would you really say his last match was against Eric Rowan? I guess if you wanted to, you know, be annoying and be all about the semantics, but not really. So he talked about that. He talked about the injury that he had in the match, but then... More importantly, I believe it was Pat who brought up Roman Reigns. And The Rock, for the first time, says that at WrestleMania 39, Roman and Rock was a lock, that it was locked in. 
Now, we had heard all of these rumblings, right? It only made sense that Roman Reigns, after two WrestleManias as the tribal chief, had cemented himself with this bloodline story. Los Angeles, California, Hollywood, The Rock's home, biggest WrestleMania ever, two nights in SoFi, of course, this is the time to do it. And then as we're getting closer to WrestleMania, we go, I don't know, I don't know. Most people were like, yeah, I mean, last year you had Austin returning to face KO. This year you have Rock returning to face Roman. And then right at the end, they, Roman went on Jimmy Fallon and said The Rock couldn't get himself in shape. And that was kind of the narrative that everybody went with. But The Rock went on McAfee's show and said it was locked in. But what is paramount to The Rock is doing something that fans have never seen before and telling a story in a way where you're introducing something new. You're introducing what's next. And they said eventually they just couldn't get there for 39, so they put the pencil down. And the WWE moved on to their next thing. The Rock moved on to his next thing. Uh, but he said, there's always other things in the future. He said, we knew this merger was coming. We said, we'll get there with the merger, right? The company will be even bigger at a certain point. We know WrestleMania 40 is coming in Philadelphia. So that's all on the table. Pat goes, what? And Rock goes, yeah, I said what I said. He wouldn't concretely say what he said, but he said what he said, and you go, oh boy. So look, there's a couple of things to break down here. First of all, it reminded me in a way, and it made me think of the interview that I did with John Cena, where he talked about his match with Brock Lesnar and how it's all about building somebody so that they can bring somebody else forward. It's the only reason to do anything in wrestling. If you're going to have Brock Lesnar beat the streak, it's so that energy can be taken onto him. You give the undertaker the streak so that that energy can be put onto somebody else. You let somebody beat the streak so that they can get the energy and then they can give it to somebody else. And it just keeps moving and moving and moving. And I think that's what The Rock's trying to say when he talks about, you know, doing something with Cody. I mean, I'm sorry, with Roman. That was a Freudian slip that's never been done before. Um, but I think there's a big difference in those two interviews. When I interviewed John Cena, like I said, nothing is by accident, nothing is unintentional, nothing is off the cuff. John Cena wasn't working when I talked to him. And I don't mean he was unemployed. I mean, he wasn't working in the wrestling sense. He was promoting Fast and the Furious and was happy to have a wrestling conversation. At least that's what I was told. The Rock was working. There's no doubt in my mind that The Rock was working, meaning crafting a narrative to go to a place where they may or may not end up going, but there is an intention right now to go to that place and these steps are being made. So the first thing you do is we all lose our minds and go, oh, so we're getting Rock Roman this year, not last year. We were gonna get it last year, but now we're gonna get it this year. Then people start putting the puzzle pieces together and realize that SmackDown is in Denver, Colorado, only a couple hours away from Boulder, Colorado. And I guess Pat McAfee and The Rock are best friends now because at the very top of SmackDown, Pat McAfee comes out, surprises the audience. Austin Theory interrupts him. Pat says, 
Austin Theory, this isn't because Austin Theory says this is my show. This is Austin Theory live, which isn't like, you know, at least when Jericho did it, he said Monday Night Jericho instead of Monday Night Nitro. He said Raw is Jericho instead of Raw is War. He's just taking Friday Night SmackDown and like and just saying Austin Theory live. Like, I don't know what he's talking about. There's no, but he goes, uh, uh, this is not your show, Austin. This is the people show. And you know what that means. If you smell what the rock is cooking. Everybody's like, no, no, no. And here comes the rock. And the millions and millions of fans in Denver, Colorado, absolutely lose their minds up. Pop. That wasn't a good pop. For the ages. The rock got a better one than I did. And here he comes out. This is The Rock's first appearance on SmackDown, first appearance in WWE since the very first episode of SmackDown on Fox, since the premiere of SmackDown on Fox when The Rock, that was better, popped a rating for their premiere on Fox and just cut a promo. This this was different, though, because The Rock not only cut a promo, and he cut a promo on Austin Theory, who, by the way, took an opportunity and made the absolute most with it, held his own in there with the rock, didn't look intimidated, didn't look scared, didn't look lost, looked like he was exactly where he was supposed to be. And for a dude in his mid-20s to be there looking like you absolutely belong is a major, major accomplishment for Austin Theory. Austin Theory does a, has a little promo ski battle with the rock. They go back and forth. The Rock has the crowd chanting, this side says you're a, this side says asshole. You're a, and it goes on and on and on and on, except the whole thing gets blocked out. And it was interesting because I was reading uh, criticisms of that as if people were criticizing WWE for making the editorial choice to take out the curse words of the audience. In reality, that's, that's not, I mean, it's not the WWE's choice. If The Rock is gonna come back before WrestleMania, He's going to have to go to FCC training because when you're on network TV, the difference between network and broadcast is that laws are written for network TV. Anybody can get network TV to go to cable. I said network and broadcast network and cable to go to cable. You have to purchase cable. You have to purchase a cable subscription. So you have asked you have bought, you have invited. It's like the rules of a vampire. If you invite a vampire into your house, you're done for he can't come in if you don't invite him. That's profanity on television. Once you've invited cable into your house by calling up Verizon and saying, hook me up, then they can curse till they're blue in the face. That, that th Those times, it's up to the networks. That's why AEW can drop a couple more S-bombs than we're used to hearing on, on wrestling TV because they make the choice. It's up to what the networks want to do and the deal that they have with their advertisers. That's They can say whatever they want. On network TV... ABC, NBC, Fox. That is television that's available for free over the air. All you need to do is have some rabbit ears strapped to your top of your box because that's how TV still works. And you get network TV. So it's sub subject to the FCC regulations. And the FCC says the AH word is not allowed on television. So, you know, it was up to either the WWE bleeps out the word or the WWE has to explain to Fox why there's a six-figure fine for every Fox affiliate, which means every market that the WWE is in, you know, like in New York, it's Fox 5, and 
Detroit, it's this channel. In, in Missouri, it's that channel. In Denver, it's that channel. In Boulder, it's that channel. Every single one of those is subject to six-figure fines for every instance. And if you've got the crowd saying it over and over and over again, that's a lot of instances. So yeah, it's not about TVPG. It's not about the WWE being soft. It's not about anything other than the United States government charges networks money if they say curse words. Um, so they have this great back and forth. And then uh, Austin Theory uh, eats a people's elbow from The Rock. And then The Rock invites Pat McAfee to drop a people's elbow. Now, a lot of people have pointed this out about Austin Theory, the run that he's on in a very short period of time. He's had moments, he's had many moments, but he works with Mr. McMahon. Stone Cold Steve Austin eats a stunner. The Rock eats a people's elbow. Brock Lesnar eats an F5. Edge, Rey Mysterio. I mean, he's worked with everybody you could possibly imagine. He grew up a wrestling fan. Nobody is living their dream like Austin Theory, except maybe Pat McAfee, who has now taken a stunner from Steve Austin, wrestled a match with Vince McMahon at WrestleMania, and dropped a people's elbow at the invite of The Rock on The Rock's show, SmackDown. Who's living a better life right now than the million-dollar man, Pat McAfee? Come on. You got it. As far as a wrestling fan goes, and that dude is a wrestling fan. Trust me when I tell you. I wouldn't give him his props if he didn't deserve them. Man, just a ring full of people living the dream and a ring full of absolute star power that continued on throughout the night. We had a SmackDown where we got a, a, a five-knuckle shuffle, a people's elbow, and a phenomenal forearm in 2023, all on one show, and that's just Friday, baby. Incredible, incredible. And that shows you what WWE is capable of when they really want to start pulling out the big guns, when there's a real reason to. And that's what I think is going on. I think there's a real reason to. Uh, sure, this could be a one and done for The Rock. Sure, The Rock may not be back, but I don't think that's the plan right now. I think The Rock is there for a reason. I think number one, the WWE wants to look as grand as possible uh, in, the, in the context of this merger and the new company. I think that, that the WWE wants Endeavor to know that they've made a very, very smart decision in creating this company. And I think TKO and Endeavor want the world to know that the WWE is just operating on an entirely different plane than anybody else right now. And that's kind of what we got on SmackDown. I also think that if you look at what is going on with The Rock right now, we've got an actor strike and a writer strike that has put a pause on everything movie and television-wise going on in scripted Hollywood. We've also got a Rock who, let's be honest, Black Adam did not work out the way he thought it would work out box office-wise, but also public perception-wise because of the change in management at, with DCU and, and the DCU film, the DC film universe saying Black Adam's not coming back and The Rock's pick for Superman ain't, ain't it. And it's like, whoa, The Rock's usually not the one out here taking L's in Hollywood. So what does that mean? Sometimes it means The Rock has to take the pulse 
and find out if there's an appetite for The Rock to be back in the WWE. Now, I will tell you, based on the crowd reaction alone, I would say there is an appetite for The Rock in WWE. Uh, I'm on my computer right now looking up uh, uh, the WWE's YouTube channel. And it looks like, yeah, there's an appetite for The Rock in WWE. 1.6 million views on The Rock confronts John Cena. Almost a million views on The Rock's electrifying entrance. 3.6 million views on The Rock returns to dismantle Austin Theory. Just looking at the WWE's YouTube channel, just from SmackDown, you've got four, 5.2, six, 6.1, 6.5. There's another Rock video. 6.5. Oh, and there's another one. The Rock and John Cena. Almost 8 million views real quickly from that one segment on YouTube. I will also tell you the ratings for that segment on SmackDown. And by the way, the ratings are going to be tough right now because college football, NFL, this is where things get tough. The Rock's return delivers monster numbers for SmackDown. P2 is up to 2.445 million, which is up 24% from last week. 18 to 49, 834,000, up 36% from last week and number one on broadcast television. There was a thing back in the day when it was like, you gotta do things on television that will make you call your friends, right? Call your friends, tell them it's gonna be Goldberg and Hogan. Call your friends, tell them it's gonna be Rock versus Mankind. And they would hope that something shocking would happen and people would get on the phone and call their friends and go, you gotta turn on this Nitro. You gotta turn on this Raw. Now, it's tweeting. Oh my God, look who's here. It's Facebook updates. It's texting. And there's no denying that all of it worked. The Rock coming back on SmackDown and getting involved made everybody start talking. So the question is, what's The Rock doing? I personally don't know. However, I believe that the there's a little bit of testing the waters, although I don't think you really need to test the waters. I would hope that The Rock realizes that anytime he returns, he's in conversation, arguably, the biggest star in the history of WWE, certainly the biggest star outside of WWE to come from WWE, if that makes sense. Uh, I, I don't think that there could be anybody bigger in wrestling to enter that ring than The Rock personally, which is why the question now comes up. Now that the, 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 the test has been done and The Rock has proven his value, which probably will reflect in what The Rock gets paid going forward, because now there are concrete numbers that if I have access to, you better believe seven bucks has access to them. Uh, that The Rock is looking for, okay, where do I fit in going forward? I think, and there's been a lot of debate about this, there is no match in wrestling bigger than Roman Reigns versus The Rock. Roman Reigns is the biggest star in wrestling. 
to people who don't watch WWE every week, one of Roman's biggest attributes is that he is The Rock's cousin. That's just the truth. A lot of people know who Roman Reigns is, but to a lot of people, I've sat, it was of all places, a barbershop. Oh, I don't really watch wrestling anymore. Who Roman, uh, uh, Rock's cousin is the big guy now, right? That is to me, and it's anecdotal, it's one conversation, but it's a conversation I've heard over and over again. I think, you know, when we had Ian Lara on to do uh, Not Sam Wrestling with Comedians, Roman's Rock's cousin, right? Oh, the whole bloodline story. The Anawai family. It's all related to The Rock. The Rock is a part of the biggest story and the biggest star in WWE and professional wrestling today. There's nothing bigger you could put on a billboard than Roman Reigns versus The Rock. There's no bigger stadium match than Roman Reigns versus The Rock. And I think that the question comes up, what about Cody Rhodes? What about Cody? I thought we were going to finish the story. I still want the story to finish. And then there's a lot of debate, right? Well, technically, finishing the story is just Cody getting the title. He doesn't have to beat Roman, but then there's another camp that goes, yes, because it's not just about the title. The person who beats Roman, we were just talking about passing along that energy. The person that beats Roman is that person what did we do for the last three plus years why have we been doing this to give it to somebody else are you arguing that we give it to somebody who's not cody rhodes the clear-cut next guy in the wwe well i think if we could take a step back it's really interesting that this was so talked about last year because there were a lot of people and history is dictated that Cody winning the or or Cody winning the Royal Rumble and going to WrestleMania to face Roman Reigns was always the plan. That for a year it was always the plan. Cody was going to face Roman Reigns. Well, apparently for a lot of that time that Cody was in the WWE, Rock was the plan. Cody was a plan, but Rock was another plan. And I think that. Yeah, there may be an idea that we could definitely do Cody versus Roman at WrestleMania. Could, not will. There is no will. You're talking about a show that's in April of 2024. It is September of 2023. We could do that. Doesn't mean we will do it. And then we start moving the pieces around. Well, what are our options? What's the best option? And then where do we place all these other pieces? So there's a few things, right? I mean, uh, last year, the conversation was Rock versus Roman, night one. Winner versus Cody, night two. Cody wins the Royal Rumble. Roman gets Rock, night one. The champion faces Cody on night two. Roman beats Rock. He's stronger than ever. Cody beats a Roman who's now beaten the Rock. And I think I may have been a proponent of this Uh at you know a year or so ago today no i'm not a proponent of that because as i said the biggest match you can have is the rock versus roman reigns to me the simple fact of the matter is if you've got the rock 
signed up for WrestleMania. Night two of WrestleMania 40 is Roman Reigns versus The Rock. There is no prelude. There is no, we can do this on night one because of the stipulation that we'll add till night. No, no. The biggest match you can have is Roman Reigns versus The Rock. Does it need the title? Oh, it doesn't need the title. Cody can beat Roman first. You should have beat Roman at WrestleMania. No, that's also not true. Because Roman can't go into a match with The Rock having already been beat. The whole point of Roman versus The Rock is for the head of the table. Once Roman loses the title, once Roman has not been on this unfathomable winning streak for the last several years, that story has entirely changed. You're not doing Roman versus The Rock just because, hey, look at these two big guys. You're doing Roman versus The Rock because of the story that goes along with it. It makes it even grander on scale. And the, and the fact is that you want to bring in The Rock to put him against the very best person in WWE. And you can't have the guy who beats Roman Reigns not be the very best guy in WWE. If somebody beats Roman Reigns before WrestleMania and the main event of WrestleMania is Roman Reigns versus The Rock, well, then you have completely wasted the bloodline win streak. If Roman is not the champion going into the match with The Rock, that's still the biggest match on the show. And that's the argument people make to say it doesn't need to have the title because it's still the biggest match. But if it doesn't have the title, then the person with the title, by your own rules, your own logic, doesn't have the biggest match. So what was the point of letting somebody beat Roman Reigns if they're going to go forward not having the biggest match? Makes no sense at all to me. Now, there's a couple of things that could happen here. If you've got, here's the reality. If you've got Roman Reigns and The Rock at WrestleMania, I don't think you've got the Cody moment at WrestleMania. You just don't. You could have a triple threat, Rock, Roman, Cody. But let me tell you something. To me, Rock versus Roman is a bigger match than Rock versus Roman versus Cody. WWE has been knocking it out of the park with storylines. I'm sure that they could change my opinion on that. I'm sure that if that's what they decided to go with, they would make me a believer. But as I sit here right now, Rock versus Roman is the match. So where do you go from there? Well, it depends, right? I think that that you could, there's a lot of things you could do. You could do some kind of WrestleMania 9 finish, right? You could have Cody win the Royal Rumble, but for some reason he doesn't get the title shot. And then he asks for his title shot after The Rock beats Roman Reigns. And, you know, comes in like Hogan at WrestleMania 9, beats The Rock, and then The Rock raises his arm as if it was the end of the Royal Rumble with Roman winning, except everybody's cheering instead of everybody booing Roman Reigns. That's possible. 
not the best option. I don't think it would inevitably put Cody Rhodes in the best light. If you've got The Rock, which is not unheard of, there is this chance that you've got The Rock, depending on the strike, depending on what The Rock wants to do, depending on what The Rock is promoting, right? The Rock is promoting the XFL. And while that is a lot of work being in charge of the XFL, the fact is that there may be no better promotion for his product than being on WWE television, right? Maybe. You'd have to ask The Rock. I'm not gonna handle The Rock's business for him. He's pretty good at it. But there is this version where The Rock is gonna be around for a little bit after WrestleMania which means maybe The Rock beats Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. Maybe The Rock shows up on Raw the night after. Maybe, 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 okay, how about this? Maybe Gunther beats Cody at WrestleMania. It's Gunther and Cody, Gunther beats Cody. Maybe The Rock beats Roman Reigns. Maybe The Rock shows up on Raw the next night. Cody Rhodes shows up to challenge him, but Gunther takes him out. Maybe Cody's now got to beat Gunther before he can get to the title. And when he finally beats Gunther, he's ready to challenge The Rock. And maybe at SummerSlam, Cody beats The Rock. Maybe he finally becomes the champion. And maybe Roman Reigns has been gone for the last three, four months, however long it is between WrestleMania and SummerSlam. And maybe Roman finally shows himself the same way Brock Lesnar appeared for the first time at SummerSlam, shocking Roman Reigns. Maybe Roman Reigns finally comes back at SummerSlam to shock Cody Rhodes, and now Roman chases Cody for the title. Maybe. That's an, that's an option. I think the most likely scenario, the most probable option is that Roman Reigns versus The Rock is going to headline WrestleMania and Roman Reigns is going to beat The Rock. And Roman Reigns is going to have another WrestleMania because if you look at WrestleManias, right, it goes, okay, WrestleMania 37 stacks up Edge and Daniel Bryan. WrestleMania 38 beats Brock Lesnar to unify the titles. WrestleMania 39 beats the WWE's first babe, true babyface in 20 years to the shock of everybody. How do you get bigger than that? WrestleMania 40 beats The Rock. The fact is, I don't know if we'll be able to hang with Cody for another year. It would be really interesting to not get the Cody Rhodes rematch with Roman. Roman and Cody have not touched since WrestleMania 40. I mean, 39. It would be very interesting to have to wait more than a year before they touched again. I do think that there is a world where Roman beats Rock at WrestleMania and Cody gets the match with Roman at SummerSlam. I think that this is especially interesting because... For Roman, Roman's next spot in terms of his uh, 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 ranking, the number of days he's been champion, his reign, the next number to beat is Hogan's number. I think that Roman beats Hogan if he keeps the title past SummerSlam 2024. 
So if he beats The Rock at WrestleMania, now, and by the way, maybe going into WrestleMania, The Rock could say, I'm not leaving, I'm sticking around. And it leads people to believe The Rock is actually gonna leave with the title. And then Roman beats him. But if you go into SummerSlam and you go, if Roman beats Cody at SummerSlam, he will beat Hogan's record as champion. But he would have to beat Cody to do it. And this is Cody's rematch. This is the opportunity to finish the story. If Roman beats Cody, if Cody beats Roman at SummerSlam, he could destroy the bloodline. He could stop Roman from achieving that record. He could take everything away from Roman Reigns. He could go on and go through the fall as the WWE Undisputed Universal Champion. We could keep Roman off of TV. We could have Roman surprise everybody by returning at the Royal Rumble. And we could have Roman versus Cody at WrestleMania 41 with Roman coming to get the title back. And then after WrestleMania 41, if Roman can't get the title back, that's when we go into Roman versus Solo Sokoa. That's when we go into some of that other stuff and potentially a babyface turn for Roman Reigns. But that is right now a year and a half away. And that's what The Rock has done to us, given us enough juice to fantasy book a year and a half away. And I know that a lot of times people don't uh, uh, like fantasy booking, but let's be honest. A week ago, I came on here and I said that it is paramount for the WWE right now to change Charlotte Flair's character, to make her relatable, to give her something that the WWE universe can get behind, and, and to make her a likable character. That's what you're going to need to do to make her a baby face. And then I started fantasy booking this wild scenario where one day we get Jade Cargill and Charlotte Flair in the ring together with Jade Cargill, the ultimate heel, the beast that Charlotte used to be, and Charlotte Flair, the humanized version of the greatest of all time. Go to Starcade 1993, the best Starcade main event of the entire decade of the 90s which isn't saying a lot because Starcade shit the bed throughout the entire 90s. But the exception, the outlier, is Starcade 93, Ric Flair versus Vader. Ric Flair was still Ric Flair, but he was a babyface and he was relatable. And he was somebody that you couldn't help but get behind. All of the equity that he had built up as a heel, he cashed in on and fans got behind it 100%. Tony Schiavone, no, Mean Gene. I think it was, it was either mean, D, mean Gene or Tony Schiavone went to his house to pick him up in a limo. He gave his son David a hug before we ever saw David on Nitro. He kissed Ashley on the cheek and said, Daddy's coming home. Well, he may, maybe he didn't say that, but that was his vibe. Ashley, who would one day enter the WWE Performance Center to become Charlotte Flair. And then he went to that arena to take on the most formidable foe in his entire life, to take on the villain that he once was. See, Ric Flair had become humanized. Ric Flair had become 
somebody who fans had grown to love and he had accepted their love, but this beast from the Colorado Rockies, the man they call Vader, had shown up to WCW to take everything. He was absolutely unstoppable. And while Ric Flair at one point was able to beat anybody, he wasn't that guy anymore. He was human. And Ric Flair had to dig deep to take on Vader because if he wasn't going to win the WCW championship at Starcade 93, he would have to retire. And what did Ric Flair do? He was able to win that title. Go to Peacock and watch the main event of Starcade 93. Because Flair versus Vader, Starcade 93, is what you need to build for Charlotte versus Jade Cargill. Charlotte, start humanizing her right now. Because Jade Cargill is that beast that you bring right to the main roster to start building and building and building until you make her unbeatable. And she goes to a humanized Charlotte and she goes, I've got you now, Charlotte. I've got your number. I'm going to take you out. You've gotten very comfortable on your throne. I'm going to take it from you because you ain't got what it takes anymore. And that's when Charlotte has to dig deep. And that's when Charlotte, I don't know if she got any pets. I don't think she got any kids. She'll kiss the pets goodbye. Maybe pop belly pig, I don't know. Kiss him goodbye. With Corey Graves at her house. Maybe Byron Saxton. Byron Saxton's at her house. She kissed Rick goodbye. Oh my God. Rick Flair is at her house. Her old dad is at her house. And just like Rick had to kiss Ashley goodbye on his way to take on a foe that he didn't even know if he'd survive, let alone beat. Charlotte's kissing her dad goodbye, Rick, to take on a foe that she don't know if she'll survive, let alone beat in Jade Cargill. It could be one of the more compelling storylines the WWE women's division has ever seen. Just take it from Starcade 93, because it was great. The reason that I bring all this up is because last week after we fantasy booked the potential of Jade Cargill in WWE, Scoops got it right again. Sam Stradamus is here. This is why you listen to Not Sam Wrestling. This is why you watch every week. Because even if it seems like I'm just making up fantasies off the top of my head, I'm telling you what's going to happen in the future, or at least what should be happening in the future. Rumor reports started buzzing. People found out on Wednesday that Jade Cargill got beat clean at the Rampage tapings by Chris Statlander and that Jade Cargill may or may not be on her way to WWE. As the week went on, it seemed Jade Cargill is on her way to WWE. And as of this weekend, there were reports that she is uh, heading over to the Performance Center as soon as next week. Now, there has been a lot of conversation about what to do with Jade Cargill. Look, you watch that AEW show. Even the people, and there are people that are invested in AEW failing. And those are uh, not good people. I don't know why you would want anything in the wrestling industry to fail. But even those people sit there and go like, yeah, Jade Cargill is clearly a star. WWE is not competing week to week with AEW the way they were with WCW, but they are still competing. It's was, I think, paramount, I think, paramount to WWE to show everybody, look, Cody was a star in AEW, but this is what it means to be a star in WWE. I think Jade Cargill is the next one. 
Jade Cargill was a star in AEW. They pushed her to the moon. But this is what it means to be pushed in WWE because they want to send out that message to every wrestling fan, every wrestling analyst, every industry analyst, and every wrestler that's in AEW. Even if the money's the same, even if it's a little less in WWE. Look what happened to Cody. Look what happened to Jade. You think that's going to happen here? I think that's the message that the WWE wants to send across and quite frankly can send across with somebody like Jade Cargill. Jade Cargill is a freaking star. She's a beast. She is as valuable an asset as you could have in the women's division. She's got everything. And people go, well, she's not that good of a wrestler though. Big deal. <laughs> Big deal. Who cares? Look, the fact is that there's more than one way to skin a cat. I say that meaning there's no way for me, if I'm in charge of anything in WWE, I'm using whatever voice I have to tell people not to send Jade Cargill to NXT. Jade Cargill should immediately be on the main roster and presented as a massive star. No manager, big entrance, big look, same name, new nickname that we could probably trademark maybe. Maybe, you know, the diamond Jade Cargill. DDP would be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't know what you would call her. Maybe that's a different meeting. But bring her in and just have her start destroying people. Put her on a path of rage. And people go, well, what about... What about, the, what about the learning that she would get in the performance center? Number one, she can still go to the performance center. What are they gonna do? Close it to her? No, Jade, you're on Raw. You can't go to the performance center. That's the other thing. Charlotte's on SmackDown. Put Jade on Raw because you're not going to Charlotte versus Jade first. You're getting there eventually. May, hopefully WrestleMania. Jade winning the Royal Rumble and challenging Charlotte as a villain, that's the move. But I think... I think what you have to do is get her to a point where she's awesome. And the way you do that is, yeah, put her on Raw. Have her dominate people on Raw. Hide her weaknesses, accentuate her strengths. Have her at the Performance Center during the week. Raw is one day a week. No reason she can't be at the Performance Center on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And when she's not at the Performance Center, put her on the road immediately. Live events. Do you have any idea how much better any woman on that roster is gonna get by working with Natalia Neidhart every night, week in, week out? They do live events, what? Friday, Saturday, Sunday? Every single one of those. Three times a week in front of a live audience, Natalia versus Jade Cargill. You do Natalia versus Jade Cargill three times a week, every week in front of a live audience? for her three months, four months, look at what you get. Look at the outcome. You do that for the rest of the year, and then you put Jade in the Royal Rumble, you're good to go, baby. I believe. I believe. And that's, for me, that's 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 what you have to do. And in the meantime, you have her doing Goldberg matches. Quick, squash. Don't put a title on her right away. You know, maybe you have Rhea Ducker on Raw. She's a heel, Rhea's a heel. Maybe they can work out something, right? Build up a, I mean, it's not that long till the Royal Rumble anyway. 
October, November, December. You got three months for Rhea to avoid her. You can work that out. Have Charlotte get the title off EO somehow without turning Charlotte heel. <laughs> Be tough. And then Jade challenges Charlotte. Boom. Money. If you like money, that's the way to go for me. But maybe you don't like money. I don't know. Speaking of money, John Cena's back. That's going to make a lot of money. It's going to cost a lot of money. But John Cena is officially back. Like I said, iconic SmackDown opened with Rock. We got a John Cena and The Rock uh, meeting closed with John Cena. What a bookended SmackDown. One of the best SmackDowns ever. Uh, but John Cena on the Grayson Waller effect. Grayson Waller did an incredible job with John uh, not letting him talk. But not doing it. See, a lot of people just do the Roddy Piper thing where Roddy Piper pretends he's going to let you talk then takes the mic away. Brother Love did the exact same thing as Roddy Piper and then Jerry Lawler did the exact same thing as Roddy Piper and Brother Love and it goes on and on. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. That's not a criticism. It's just the way it's been done. Grayson Waller just changed it. Number one, he wasn't holding the microphone so he wasn't snatching it away. That was always the move. And number two, it was just in his cadence of speech. I thought he did such a, a wonderful job. But it was Jimmy Uso that came out, had his showdown with John Cena, um, and uh, and then Solo came out like he was going to beat up Jimmy, except instead, beat up John. AJ Styles comes out to save the day. Now, okay, so it looks like that's where they're going, right? The next Roman Reigns match, they're saying, is going to be Crown Jewel at the beginning of November. I would imagine we're getting Roman Reigns versus AJ Styles in that match. Uh, so I guess we're getting Jimmy and Solo versus John and AJ so that you can keep AJ alive with the bloodline and and get to AJ versus Roman in November, which, you know, it is what it is. I would have preferred John Cena and LA Knight on a tag team together. Um, but I think that it seems like they're teasing LA Knight and Roman Reigns to possibly go down at a later date whether that's in that Survivor Series, whether that's, you know, beginning of next year, who knows when or if that will be. But I've got to tell you, man, I am really looking forward to a potential John Cena singles match. And I think we can get some of them. You know, John Cena's booked for a few SmackDowns. I don't think it would be the worst thing in the world to do one television John Cena match. We did a John Cena match at the end of last year. Right? Was it the end of last? No. Was it the end of last year? Was it? I feel like it was the end of last year. Because he's, so he could wrestle every year. I don't remember, but we did that tag match. I feel like it was the end of last year, but it was just a match for matches sake. I think that John Cena should have a singles match with Grayson Waller on an episode of SmackDown. One television match for John Cena in this run. I think he's on like six or seven SmackDowns total. We've seen two of them. I think he should have one match with Grayson Waller, and he should beat Grayson Waller. He's got to start winning matches again. But something that I really want to see is a singles match between John Cena and Solo Sokoa. I just, every time John Cena and Solo Sokoa are in that ring together, I start thinking about the John Cena-Umaga matches. And I am just the biggest Umaga fan that you'll ever find. I mean, you know, you know, you guys know at this point what I like. I love Yokozuna. I love Umaga. There is something genetically. 
in that Anawai'i family that allows you to just become a beast of a human being that moves like a cruiserweight. And it's, it's just the greatest thing in the world to me in terms of this thing called sports entertainment. I'm the just, I, I, I can't sing the praises of Umaga enough. I think he is one of the most underrated big men of all time. I think Bam Bam Bigelow is severely underrated, but I think Umaga is even more underrated than Bam Bam Bigelow is. I think that we have not caught up to Umaga yet, and at some point there will be, that. like I feel like Yoko got it. I think for a long time people did not give Yoko his props. Yoko Zuno was severely underrated, and he's finally getting to a place where people are like, you know what, Yoko Zuno really was freaking awesome unbelievable one of a kind. And that might be because people are doing more interviews now. You know, The Undertaker is getting out there and talking about how amazing Yoko was. Everybody who worked with him. I think we're going to get there with Umaga. I don't think the fan base is fully there yet, but he's one of the greatest of all time, as far as I'm concerned. Um, and when I see Solo Sokoa and John Cena together, it's just that getting that Umaga-John Cena feeling again is just too much. And I think the idea that you can build Solo up, even if he lost to John Cena, which I think he should lose to John Cena. I think John Cena, this trip for John Cena should be about picking up Ws. John Cena should get wins this trip because he doesn't get enough wins. He can't just come back and lose. Like that's not how you, you gotta build up John Cena now. So the next time, like he, he gave Austin Theory the win. So let's get some wins for John here. So the next time he comes back, he's got more to give. I think building solo Sokoa as a credible threat to John Cena is enough. The idea that we're going in and John Cena is intimidated by solo Sokoa, that John Cena, the greatest of all time, is not sure if he can beat solo Sokoa. Whether he beats him or not will be all the energy that solo needs to get bumped up a notch. I get real excited about it. And I hope, I would love to see it happen at that Saudi pay-per-view because I don't think it's going to happen at uh, Fastlane. Is that the next show? I think it's Fastlane. I don't think it's going to happen at the next show in Indianapolis. But if John, and John Cena has not been confirmed for the Saudi pay-per-view. But if he is, Solo versus Cena is, is a match that I have to see on pay-per-view. Have to what I want. How about this? You thought it was done. You thought it was over. You thought we'd never get it again. But ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome in the return of this week in CM Punk, even when he is fired from the industry, when he is not on TV. CM Punk is the controversial firecracker that still gives us a This Week in CM Punk segment. Only Phil Brooks could pull this off weeks removed from being on television for choking out jungle boy. <laughs> we still get a this week in CM Punk, two big quotes for this week in CM Punk. So Nick Khan did a few interviews, by the way, I would just like to say this. You guys listening to this need to reach out to Nick Khan. I can't reach out on my own because it would be tacky and come across as desperate. But Nick Khan keeps doing these interviews. And some of them are fine, but some of them, it's like, bro, bro, 
Can you imagine Nick Khan walking into the Not Sam studio and doing a real wrestling interview? I think Nick Khan is a wrestling fan. But Nick Khan has not been allowed to show his wrestling fandom because he's not doing real wrestling interviews. Bill Simmons has interviewed Nick Khan how many times? And he gets Nick Khan on and he doesn't know Test is dead. Did you see this quote? Rest in peace to Andrew Test Martin, an absolute legend. But Bill Simmons brings up Stephanie McMahon, which already is like tacky. And then he goes, uh, well, maybe you could bring Test back and say she's having an affair with Test. And Nick Khan was on it. He's on the money. He goes, yeah, well, I think he passed away a few years ago, but sure. Come on, Bill Simmons. What do you not do any homework? All I'm saying is, Nick Khan, you want to do a podcast that'll ask you some wrestling questions that won't be all up in a business, all up asking about people who are no longer with us. You come to the Not Sam studio. Nick Khan on Not Sam Wrestling would be, I mean, could I say the most legendary interview of all time? Can I say that? Because I'm thinking about other interviews and I can't think of a more potential legendary interview than Nick Khan sitting down in the Not Sam studio and just talking wrestling. And honestly, can I tell you the truth? Nick Khan would have the time of his life. He would love it in here. But hey, all I, all I can do is create the environment. It's up, to, it's up to you guys. Nobody has ever come in here and been like, I wish I hadn't done that. Nobody's ever come in here and been like, why did I do that podcast? They go like this, man, that was great. Man, that was a fun conversation. Man, I love talking about wrestling with you, Sam. That's what they say. Nick Khan, come on. The door's open, buddy. I won't ask about Test coming back, that's for sure. So Nick Khan is doing a couple of interviews, and he does one. This one wasn't on the Bill Simmons interview. This was on, uh, he was talking to somebody at ESPN who asked a great question. He asked if he was uh, he would be interested in bringing CM Punk into WWE. And Nick Khan said, we only have respect for Phil. We appreciate his run here. He complimented his UFC run. And then he said, we wish him nothing but the best. So he said nice things about Phil, CM Punk. He said uh, that they appreciate his run there. And they appreciate and respect what he did in UFC. So it was really interesting. I was reading the comments on it. And it, like the debate was going back and forth, going... Is that a yes? Is that a no? Is that a yes? I, that sounds like a yes to me. That sounds like a no to me. First of all, the answer is, yeah, For a, if there's money in it, right? Like, of course, if there's money in it, they would bring him back. Like, you, there's no such thing as like, no, because he, he's got heat in the locker room. Hey, would you like to make a, millions, uh, some extra millions? No, because the heat. Come on, guys. What are we, are we, are we, are we playing with toys here? Or are we running a business? We know what the answer is. But I think even more telling than that is the fact that he did it again, this Nick Khan. First, he did it in the Bill Simmons interview where he said that he respected Tony Khan's dad, but he didn't know anything about, quote, the kid. Now he's saying, yeah, CM Punk is awesome. We have all the respect in the world for what he did in WWE and UFC. There's a third organization that he worked in that's not being mentioned at all. So there was that quote. And then this week in CM Punk, CM Punk was back on television. He did uh, uh, one of his uh, MMA gigs uh, doing commentary that was on UFC Fight Pass. 
And uh, first, uh, his co-broadcaster referenced Four Cause, which I thought was hilarious. And then CM Punk lit the dirt sheets ablaze when he said uh, that he doesn't have anything going on for the next couple months. And you're like, oh, oh. It was referenced that he had free time and he said he had free time for two months. What happens after two months? That means a couple of things. Number one, CM Punk's not saying he's done. Number two, CM Punk is acknowledging that there's some kind of, you know, either they're letting the contract run its course or there's a, a you can't work here clause for three months or two months or whatever it is. There's something there. But the point is he's aware of it, so he has plans for after it, which could easily be WWE. I mean, look, if you don't have Roman versus Cody at WrestleMania, who's to say you don't have CM Punk versus Cody? Who's to say? Who's to say? Cody versus Punk, night one. Roman versus Rock, night two. Who's to say? That's all I'm saying. Let's get into news and notes before we get into some emails. Like I said, there will be another Not Sam Wrestling podcast later this week to talk about the TKO merger and some other uh, notes that I have here. Um, but uh, I am very much looking forward to Collision this week. Samoa Joe versus MJF I think is going to be great. And quite frankly, and you got RVD, not Collision. That's Dynamite. I think I said collision. Dynamite's going to be great, but I'm sure collision will be great too. You got RVD coming back to collision. That's a big deal. And a real highlight, a real highlight right now of AEW. I've been working on this. How am I doing? Prince Nana, baby. Prince Nana has become must-watch television. Yeah. I'm singing Swerve's song in my head right now. If you're just listening on audio, you probably don't understand my enthusiasm, but I'm doing the na-na dance. I'm doing the na-na dance. This is why you got to be on YouTube so you can see me doing the na-na dance. Shout out to Prince Nana, huh? Just doing God's work out there. Doing God's work for God and country. I appreciate you, Prince Nana. And, uh, of course, Nia Jax. Shocks the world, returns on Monday Night Raw. You almost forgot that was all this week, huh? Nia Jax coming back. Controversial as always. You know, some people don't like Nia Jax. Um, I think Nia Jax is one of those people who is a heel and and just nobody knows where the line is, right? Fans don't understand where the line is. She gets blamed for injuring people, which I think it seems pretty unfair that she gets blamed for injuring people because, I mean, people have gotten injured in matches with Nia Jax, but people have gotten injured in a lot of matches. And, you know, you don't sit there blaming, like, everybody. These are things that happen in wrestling. If Nia Jax was truly unsafe, I can't imagine they would just keep bringing her back. Um, and people would keep working with her. If Nia Jax was not a safe person, why would people keep wrestling her? Like, wouldn't, I mean, I don't, I, I well, they need their job. It, look, if they're like, no, that lady injures people for real, in this thing where we're fake fighting, I'm not doing that with her. That I mean, I, I understand I need my job. I also need to not get injured if that person's not safe, which is why I think it's the internet uh, 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 narrative on her being unsafe is probably fairly overblown. Wouldn't be the first time it happened on the internet. I'm happy she's back. I'm a fan of Nia Jax. Uh, I think she's a 
great villain. Uh, I think the stuff that Naya has done with her whole alone, I think is worth applause and, and something kind of never done before in the industry. So I'm excited Nia Jax is back. I, I love a, 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 a beast. I love a monster. And hey, how about this? How about a future where we get Jade Cargill and Nia Jax in the ring together? Talk about the uh, uh, immovable force and the unmatchable object. I forgot the thing. Let's get into emails, huh? Email notsamwrestling at gmail.com. That's notsamwrestling at gmail.com. I think we're going to save some of these emails for uh, later this week when uh, 465B comes out. Uh, so make sure you're subscribed. Also, make sure that you're going to notsamshirts.com. you got days, literally days, less than one week left for this pre-order to stay up. T-shirts, hoodies, crewnecks, long sleeves, sweatpants, Top, top quality, comfort colors, sweatpants are great, uh, screen printed, no direct-to-garment, no made-to-order, no, it's it's all, I mean, I'm wearing it. I've washed this shirt two or three times. I just got it. It's still perfect, good as new. High-quality garments, okay? Quality, high. Margins, razor thin. Watch the product, baby. Watch the product. Riley Davis writes in, uh... Sam, I've been watching the product, and I'm ready to speculate wildly. Well, these are our rules, right? You watch the product, you speculate wildly, and you don't fantasy book Randy Orton. Here's the facts. The bloodline is in tatters, and as you said, we need a big invading force to reunite the NOIE family. Two, Cody Rhodes needs to finish the story, and that will only feel satisfying if he defeats a sufficiently big enough bad guy to do it. Three, all the 2023 Rumble Cody was the last man standing by beating Gunther's record-breaking one hour and 11 minutes in the ring. Conclusion. I see Gunther losing the Intercontinental Championship before the 2024 Royal Rumble and having Imperium descend on the bloodline. Roman can give Heyman the boot and turn the faction face. Gunther beats Cody at the Rumble, takes the Universal Championship off Roman at WrestleMania 40, build for another year, have Cody beat Roman, Cody beat Gunther at Mania 41. People will complain while it's happening, but I can't help but think the evil German supremacist is a better foil for Cody to beat to become the American dream. Thoughts? Number one, he's not becoming the American dream. He's fulfilling the dream, but he's still going to be the American nightmare. Number two, Cody Rhodes is the all-American versus Gunther's the evil German is a little too on the nose World War II for me. And number three, you're just blowing off the bloodline at the Royal Rumble. Like, you're just like, just like, whatever. Gunther beats Cody at the Rumble and takes the Universal Championship off Roman at WrestleMania 40. Like, Gunther's great. But Gunther is not destroy the bloodline great. Well, I mean, I understand the bloodline's in tatters right now. But you re rebuild the bloodline at Survivor Series. By the Rumble, the bloodline is as strong as it's ever been. Yeah, no, dude. No, dude, I'm not with it. I'm not with it. I'm not with it. Matt in Boston writes in, can you uh, help us fans uh, sort through what to make of The Rock's appearance on ESPN? What do you think I'm going to do? And his remarks about, I did it. I told you guys, don't email about stuff you know I'm going to talk about. You think I'm, oh, I forgot to mention that. The Rock returned to wrestling. Come on, Matt. In the world of new kayfabe, 
On one hand, it was not on WWE TV, and uh, one of your rules in the past has been if it's not on TV, we don't worry about it. That's not what I said. I said the TV is the Bible, but it doesn't mean we don't worry about it. But it was said to Pat McAfee, who's sort of in the WWE universe, and New Kayfabe says uh, we use outside media to build stories. It was 100% New Kayfabe, dude. 100% New Kayfabe. Uh, like I said, everything is intentional. There are no accidents. So in that sense, it feels like a missed opportunity to have The Rock at least cross paths with Heyman or Solo backstage uh, on Friday. No, 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 no. Because you want to hint at it. You want to you just, you want to have all of, you want to have, what's the number two rule? Speculate wildly. If you have The Rock go from mentioning it on Pat McAfee to actually having an interaction with Heyman and or Solo the same day, you're making it so that it's not a, a speculate wildly scenario, but uh, hey, we're clearly getting this because they're doing this. Like you can't just bash them over the head. You need to sprinkle a little, this is new kayfabe. You sprinkle a little bit in and then you allow all of us pundits to just go wild. You allow all the journalists to write all kinds of crazy stories because we don't have the answers. You can't give the answers yet. Our fans, as fans, are we supposed to be aware of what he said to McAfee earlier and wonder where's Roman? It seems like new kayfabe is bumping up against watch the product. Which rule takes precedence? Well, no, it's not bumping up against it. Because if you watch the product, just having, just the rock being back, just him being there, screams Roman. There is, it's not like you're like, oh, there's so many guys that I'd love to see the rock face. Nobody more than Roman. Without him interacting with Roman, Roman's the match. He is there with Pat McAfee. Why are the rock and Pat McAfee getting along so well? Well, the rock was on Pat McAfee's show today. Well, what did he say on Pat McAfee's show? Let me find that clip. New kayfabe, brother. That's it. Pat and Rock came out together as a unit, meaning, because there, there's no context to them being friends on SmackDown. It's not like a wrestling thing. It's a, it's a quote unquote real life thing. This is new kayfabe. Because then it's like, that leads us, if we see The Rock and Pat together as friends on SmackDown, that leads us back to The Rock being on Pat's show. That leads us to The Rock hinting at Roman at WrestleMania 40. That's all we need. Then we can speculate wildly. You're talking about watch the product in new kayfabe. You forgot about the second rule. Speculate wildly. Come on. Come on, dude. How many times I got to repeat this? TJ writes in, just a quick thought. When the bloodline finally reaches its end, the only way it can end in a fulfilling way is to do it like Denzel in Training Day, right? Where all the people he has ever done dirty come back and rise up. Oh, I'd love that. King Kong ain't got nothing on me. Oh, okay. Oh. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, no, I'd love it. Is there any way else it could possibly end? Yeah, I mean, you know, you could obviously just have it end with one big moment, one big match. But, but yeah, I think I would love the training. That's a great one, TJ. That's an all. I love that. Because Training Day is one of my favorite movies ever. So, yeah, yeah. Having Roman get denzel at the end of Training Day, where everybody and Heyman would have to be the last one. Paul, Paul, Paul. Paul, Paul, oh, oh, you're going to leave me too. You guys ain't nothing without me. Yeah, yeah. But who gets to be Ethan? 
Hawk. I guess Cody? Sam, last week someone emailed you asking about your favorite comedy wrestler. You didn't give a list to choose from. I went ahead and gave you a list of some comedy wrestlers. I did not add Doink because clowns aren't funny. They're scary. Austin, I love the way you think already. And the fact that you gave me a list. Okay. Comedy wrestlers. R-Truth, Santino, Heath Slater, Damian Mizdow, or Brodus Clay. Okay. These are good. Um, I'm going to go from the bottom. And this is, you know, those are one, two, three, four, five of the best. So we can even call them top five WWE because, you know, I'm not putting somebody at the bottom of this list is not a disrespect. I would go Brodus Clay, then Heath Slater, Mizdow, Santino, Truth. Truth is number one, Santino, number two, Mizdow, number three, Slater, number four, Brodus, number five. And I may flip Brodus and Slater. But I Got Kids was one of the funniest things ever. Like, just I got kids, man. I got to do this. Like, so funny. Uh, Enzo writes in, Sup, Sam. It's been a while. Hope all is well with yourself and the fam. It's fantastic. I appreciate you, Enzo. I guess Jade Cargill's contract is up in AEW soon. Yeah. I've been seeing and reading rumors. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I hope so. There's so many potential great matches that can happen between her, Charlotte Flair, Bianca, Rhea Ripley, just to name a few. Do you think it will happen? And if so... Maybe she debuts at the Royal Rumble. I I would debut her as quick as humanly possible. You gotta, mm, mm, mm. you never know what's gonna happen on Raw or SmackDown. Immediately, immediately. If you can get her on TV before, you know, the next pay-per-view. Get her on TV before the next pay-per-view. I would get her on, not Royal Rumble, because I would want her to win the Royal Rumble. And you have to establish her for a WWE audience, in my opinion. So, yeah, no, I'm all about it. I'm all, I think it's great. And I think that right, get her on TV right away. Uh, Matt writes in, uh, wondering your opinion on a few pairings and if you prefer them being together or against each other. Sammy and KO. Either way, but I think there's something special about them being together. I think Sammy and KO I prefer together because I believe them together more. When they're against each other, I think they have to work really hard, especially now, to prove that they're really against each other. It would feel too much like two friends doing a wrestling angle. Together, I fully believe it. I love their chemistry. I love their interviews together. So I'm going to stay together. Shawn Michaels and Triple H, I like them against each other because I like Triple H trying to, you know, student becoming the teacher vibe. I always wish there was one more, like right around that Survivor Series where they were in that triple threat match. Like I, I always wish there was one more breakup of Shawn and Hunter. I like them against each other. Rollins, Reigns, Ambrose, <sighs> together, honestly. The Shield together is just a magical moment, though. I wouldn't want them to reunite again, but they are magic together. Magic. Undertaker and Kane, I like them opposed. Even though, you know, they've done it, there's only so much you can do, and there's more you can do as Brothers of Destruction. I like them opposing each other. Sean and Diesel. Uh together together and then rock and foley definitely together because i mean i thought i liked seeing mankind versus the rock but rocket sock connection was just on another level rock you go out there and you win one for the micker who the hell is the micker it's just one of the greatest moments of the attitude era great email um shay writes in 
Sam, hope you had a joyous weekend. I did have a joyous weekend. Thank you. I'm here to pitch a ridiculous idea that crossed my mind. I've been seeing rumors saying that the WWE might be adding another title. I saw those rumors. I was thinking with all the current factions, maybe that title could be a trios title. I hope not. I don't I think trios titles are dumb. The Judgment Day are completely decked in gold, and they've been saying they are the most dominant group in WWE while calling out other factions. No, 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 I get, you know, Lashley and the Street Profits versus Bloodline, Sammy, KOJ, Judgment Day for the title. Look, I'm not a fan of the trios titles. I think it's much more impress impressive for a faction of three to have a uh, tag team and a singles than it would be for them to have the trios. I think that AEW, thank God they have the acclaimed because I, I just don't think the trios title has been something. They're trios acts. I love House of Black. I love Malachi and the House of Black. Buddy's been doing great. And Brody King is one of my favorites. I love the House of Black. I love the acclaimed. I don't care about the trios title. The elite's incredible. I don't care about the trios title. I I, I just, I, I can never see myself caring about a trios title. So I hope they do not institute a trios title. They already had to put the tag team title back together. I don't think they need more titles. I truly don't. Um, I'm going to stop the email segment right there because we've already been going on for a while and we have another show to do in just a day or two. So stay, stay subscribed if you're listening on Apple. Not only subscribe, make sure you leave a rating and a review. If you're listening on Spotify, leave a rating. And if you're watching on YouTube, comment, subscribe. And if you're not watching on YouTube, come watch on YouTube. Comment and subscribe. Uh, hit like, do the whole thing. Interact with the video. Show your friends, tell your friends. And be here uh, uh, in a day or two when we break down this TKO merger. We'll talk to you then.